Welcome to Maximum Octane and your ride to the entrepreneur's evolution in the automotive industry. I'm your host, Kim Hickey, former shop owner turned industry educator, speaker, and entrepreneurial motivator. Each week during our ride together, you will hear unfiltered stories of inspiration and transformation shared by successful business owners and CEOs. Their experiences will motivate you to do things you never thought possible, encourage you to reach your full potential, and help you to exchange unproductive habits for productive ones. While many of my guests will be related to the automotive industry, it's crucial in the world of tomorrow that we stop being silos and we open our minds to ideas and inspiration from other industries as well. We also know that to be truly successful in business, you must have a healthy work and home life balance. All of my guests are handpicked with these crucial elements in mind. Our industry is evolving by the second, and we need to as well. Buckle up, because here we go. Welcome back, everybody, to this week's episode of Maximum Octane. As always, I am super excited about my guest, Mr. Chuck Lafferty. He is the bomb diggity. I don't know how else to describe him. He He's one of those people that, you know walks the walk and doesn't just talk the talk and he puts his money where his mouth is. And one of the things that is wonderful about Chuck is you never have to worry about what he's doing when nobody's looking because he probably has stronger expectations for himself that are laid out to anybody else. So Chuck, welcome this week. How are you? Thank you. I'm well, thanks for having me. Thank you for the compliments. You build my ego up to ginormous levels so thank you thank you well well since this is going on youtube now we can kind of talk about your background a little bit there and you, you have uh the fight in irishship there notre dame and uh, yes. i was mentioning too before we went on air rudy has to be one of the one of the best movies of all time and i don't know how how many years ago did that movie come out oh i think i was still in high school so i think 20 15 20 years ago it it, it came out Oh, it's older. It's older than that was out before I had kids. So I think that's got to be like Thursday. As a matter of fact, I'm going to look it up. But I still there is not a time that I can watch Rudy where I don't have ugly crying with snot running down my face. And there's yep. no there's just no not ugly crying in Rudy. And if you can watch Rudy without ugly crying, you are a monster. That's all I'm going to say about that. It's that's about like I'm watching old yeller. Yeah. <laughs> Let me see. When did Rudy come out? Let's look. Ooh, the wonderful thing about the internet. I'll keep Googling that behind me. So Chuck, do you want to share with our listeners a little bit about your life experience and your, your leadership things? Because today we're going to talk about developing your people, but why should people care what you have to say? Well, I, I started in an industry when things were a little bit simpler. Uh, 1999, 1998 is when I, August of 98 is when I first uh, got into the business that I stayed in for 20 plus years. Prior to that, I was in the dealership world a little bit, but I I worked my way from the bottom all the way to the top of, a, of an organization. And, you know, I learned throughout the ways and through the stages that I went that the people that invested in me and the people that taught me and coached me and and really embraced me were the most important people of my life. 
they not only taught me work skills, but they taught me life skills as well. And when I got to the top of of the the industry where I was at or the company that I was at, I remembered that. I didn't forget that because it was so important of who I had become. And it, it didn't really change who I was, but it changed how I thought I was, if, if that makes any sense. It makes sense to me, but do you want to explain that uh, to to our listeners? What what's the difference? Because they're going to be like, "Okay, they're just crazy right now." Whatever they're saying. Well, the people that changed me changed my my way of thinking, how I processed things, how I looked at things, and looked at people. Um, I didn't look at people from a first impression. Um, I got to know that person and before I made any sort of impression. And so same thing with a problem. I don't try to solve the problem off of a whim. I, I look at a problem. I dissect the problem. And it's the same thing I did in my business is I never made harsh and fast decisions. I always wanted to take my time and dissect it. And there again, I'm an analytical person, so it was easier for me to do that. Um, yes, I struggled with making decisions on the fly and I still did it, but I always second guessed myself, if that makes sense. It sure does. It sure does. And we, we try to discourage a lot of people from making decisions on the fly because they don't have all the information they need. And that's where I think there's always been the biggest disconnect in leadership and what it means to be a leader and how do you perform those duties of there's so many people that are not prepared for whatever task at hand or whatever the day is going to bring or the week or the month or the year. And so they're so reactionary. And when you're reactionary, that deals in emotion and not analytics. And so many times in the heat of the moment, we we don't always make the best decision. I was listening to the song um, Meatloaf or this weekend, a paradise by the dashboard light. And, you know, that's been a staple for years, but, you know, really at the end of the day, he kind of made a promise he couldn't keep. He was in the motion, he was in the middle of things and he's like, ah, you know, and, and, and acted and was reactionary and out of emotion. And then he regretted what he said. And so many times in leadership, we say things that we can't back up and we're not going to back up, you know, like that when we snap to judgment or somebody comes in late and it's like your best person. And you're like, if you come in late one more time, you're out of here. Then they come in late again and they don't fire them because they're their best person. Right. So it's, you you can't say things that you're not ready to back up. And if we were better prepared, we could do that. Yeah. And I think, I'm not alone when I say this, that I have said things in my career that were out of emotion. And it, and as soon as I said it, I regretted it. So I've always adapted having that speed bump. And it was a speed bump from the brain to the mouth (laughs) to always slow it down. I need one of those. Yeah. So that's what I adapted as a leader. And when I did that, when I had that speed bump and I was able to really think before I spoke. It not only helped my leadership ability, it, it helped the morale and the culture that I was developing with inside my organization and inside my walls because everybody knew, hey, Chuck's going to give you an honest answer. You may not like it, 
but it's not going to be derogatory. It's not going to be ugly. It's going to be the truth, but it's going to be professionally based. And that's one thing that I've pride myself in is making sure I had that speed bump between my brain and my mouth. Do they make double speed bumps? I need a double speed bump. I might even need a triple one, I think, sometimes. I, I've needed those as well. <laughs> so when you, when you talk about developing people, here's what I hear, Chuck, from people. I, I don't even have time. We can't take care of the customers we have. We can't take care of all that stuff. I don't have time to develop people. I don't have time right now. You know, we'll worry about that next year. What do you, what do you say to those people? Uh, you're missing the boat. Uh, you're leaving a lot of money on the table. You know, you, you have to invest in your, your business and investing in your business is, you know, marketing. Uh, investing in your business is how it looks, but more importantly, how it operates. And when you really dissect it and pull the layers back of the onion of how it operates, those are not how what you're doing. It's what your employees are doing. And you're only as good as your people. So if you don't invest, you don't train, you don't challenge mentally. For them to do things outside their comfort zone, and, and I know that oh so well, doing things outside my comfort zone. There's mm -hmm. a lot of things I've done outside of my comfort zone. But you that's what makes us better. That's what makes us a growing person every day. And I think George Zeke said it. Nobody's getting out alive, right? We're all going to die. And that was the greatest line I ever heard because it made sense. Why am I wasting my days and my minutes and my seconds worrying about what I can't control. What I can't control is me. What I can control is the what I do to help other people. That's what I can control. And that was my philosophy in, in business was I'm going to control what I can control. And what I can control is developing my people. And I challenged them. I wasn't, I didn't have a hundred percent success rate as much as I wanted it. I didn't have it. I, I had about a 70% success rate. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. And, but the one thing that did that 70% that did succeed, they were phenomenal. They were phenomenal people. They were phenomenal employees and they gave back to the business and gave back to the community. That's so awesome. And I did look up the Rudy thing while we were talking. It came out in 1993. So it's 20 October of 1993. So this month it is 29 years old. So. Wow. Yeah. Wow. If you have Feel not watched Rudy, if somebody is, there's anyone out there listening that hasn't watched Rudy or you haven't watched in a while, you, you, you need to. So circling back to developing your people. I think sometimes, again, there's that disconnect. I don't have time. So if, if somebody's three weeks out of whatever they do, whether they're in the automotive industry, they make widgets, they do coaching, whatever it is that they do. If they're three weeks behind, how do they pull people out of production or where they're needed to do that? And why is that so important? Yeah, sometimes I think you have to put production second and put development first. And the reason I'm saying that is it, you're, you're going, when you pull people out of production, you're going to miss X amount of time. That's a given. But what you're not thinking of is you're pulling this person out of production to be developed and be a better person. That's going to give you five, 10 years of great production. You're going to be able to make that production up down the road. It's, it's important for your business. It's important for your culture. 
And I was listening to a video the other day of a guy that said most leaders confuse a leader as a from a servant to a subservant. He said, I had that small belief that I was subservient to my employees. I served my employees. I, I, I served their every need. And it was such a mistake to believe that because my employees work for me. I write their check. But the meaning of being a servant to your employees is exactly that, developing their needs and their, their skills to become a better person. I'm serving my employees and I'm setting them up for success in the future. What about sometimes when I have conversations with business owners, they say, oh, you know, our our employee, Chuck, he's at the top of his game. He doesn't need any more training. He's the best whatever we've ever had. So they feel like they don't have to develop Chuck and that there isn't anything they can do to develop him because he's already so amazing. Yeah, actually, Kim, I'm glad you said that because I actually ran into that problem um, I took all the leadership classes available. I took everything available, but you know, I did find some things that I could be better at: communication, uh, speaking, public speaking, things that you wouldn't think this person would be into. You'd be surprised. You know, I, I explored every option of leadership. I went to a leadership school at the University of Notre Dame um, because I'm a Notre Dame fan, so I had to I had to choose. Go Notre figure. Dame. I'm yeah, shocked. right. But it was it was the hardest six weeks of my life because I had to get outside my comfort zone. They were teaching me things that I had no idea I didn't know. And I became a better leader after that because I took the chance on myself and I my owner, my boss took the chance in giving me that opportunity saying, hey, Take take a couple hours a day and work on your your training that you're doing through the University of Notre Dame. And that was that was a game changer for me because they're investing back into me. It's important that you take the time and continuously develop that employee from the point they start with you to the point they leave you or retire, hopefully retire with you. But you have to continually develop that person, every aspect of them. Not just their mechanical knowledge, but their their leadership knowledge, their communication knowledge. I am so happy you just said that last part because many of our conversations we have, people look at if somebody is not currently a manager or you know going to be a manager in six months, they don't want to invest in any kind of leadership training because they're not going to be, quote unquote, a professional manager, whatever. And it always shocked me because wouldn't you love everyone in your company, including yourself, to behave in a manner that a true leader does and a mentor? And I don't understand how we get so short-sighted sometimes with that. That's not a skill that this person needs in that job. And it's like everyone can use leadership skills. Everybody can be developed to, to be different. How important is it for you to ask your the employees, the internal customers, as I like to call them, what kind of things they want to be developed and learn about? 
Well, I think it's important. I mean, those are the things you start with, right? Because they're passionate about it. And if they're passionate about it, they're going to complete it. They're they're going to they're going to give 110%, whatever you want to call it, 101, 102, whatever it is, they're going to give that percentage. And if they're passionate about it, they're going to live it, they're going to learn it, and they're going to practice it. And I think that the challenge that I had later in my career was getting people who were not passionate about something to become passionate about it. And that's where you have to be a good salesman, I guess. You have to really drive that home to them that, hey, look, this was important and you were passionate about it, but, and excuse my French, but this is more important. And you have to, you have to share that with them. The why. So you always got to circle back to the why, right? I think yep. that's yep. another thing in when we're developing our people and giving them training, sometimes on their end, it just is perceived as either one, you don't trust their current abilities or two, you're checking boxes and they don't understand the why behind it. They don't understand the big picture because we don't take the time to explain to them. This is why this development and training is important. This is how much you mean to the company. This is where we'd like to see you in whatever years and ask them where would they like to be and what do they want to have training for? And we kind of just jump over some of those steps, I think, sometimes. And it's like, oh, then, you know, they are literally rolling their eyes going, oh, I got to go to training tonight. I got to go. And I think also sometimes we don't do a good job in vetting the training. And there's so many times somebody goes for some kind of training and they come back and they say, it's not anything like I thought it would be, or it basically was a commercial for some type of equipment or software or something the whole time. And I didn't get anything out of it. And once they go to a few of those, that is not what the expectation was. It's really hard to kind of get them to go forward, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And you have to take that dreaded four-letter word out of the whole description, work. Okay, this is not work. Okay, this is your development. You have to paint them a picture of how this comes together for them at the end of the road. So let's say I'm I'm putting a, a person through management training, and I have to paint that picture to them. That, hey, look, you're going to take some training, and it's fun. It's going to develop your future. It's going to develop what you're doing. It's going to be able to allow you to communicate more efficiently and more properly to the employees um, and to the customers. And paint that picture to them and really have them understand why they're doing it. And again, you go, we go back to the why. There's always a why in everything that we do. Why you're doing it. Why, why, why is this going to matter to me later on down the road? And it's important that we communicate and paint that picture. When you're developing your people, I I think sometimes there's also another disconnect of there's not a true career path set out for most, most small companies and entrepreneurs. They're very busy being busy and doing their thing and getting their company off the ground and all of that. And when they're onboarding people, I mean, most people have a very basic onboarding process if 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 they even have that and there's not a career path set out right from the beginning to say here's where you could be if you so desire and so right from day one we're going to be training you to get you to this position 
10 or whatever positions later or five or three or whatever it is takes to get there. And so, we, you know, we're, we're going to do this together. We're going to learn this together. We're going to grow together. We're going to grow this company together and so on and so forth. And we leave that out. We leave that out a lot. And we just hope that they understand that our vision for them, that they through osmosis or something, um, know what it is too. <laughs> yeah. And that's where a lot of businesses, a lot of people fail. They fail right out of the, out of the gate is they hire this great person. They interview them and they they go through the whole process. They come in, they're, they're 10, 15 minutes early. They sign all their paperwork and they say, there you go. And, you know, you're not setting that person up for success. And when you start looking at the churn rate of certain businesses that have that revolving door and you really, as a, as an owner, you really need to step back and look at that because is the problem your hiring process is the problem you, the way you're onboarding people, the way you're doing tour shops, you know, going around the, the shop and introducing this new employee to each individual person and give them a highlight about each individual person. So they feel welcomed on day one and then having regular checkups. You know, we talk about one on ones all the time, but those are important because, again, that door is always open. There's never a closed door. You're always communicating, and especially with a new employee, it's vital. And the weekly one-on-ones are perfect spot to plug in some of your development and training of your people, right? In that those yep. areas. Absolutely. Feedback is important. Being, you know, having that clear window to look through. You know, a lot of new employees view the owner as sitting up in an office. You know, looking out the window at his as an at his enterprise, and you know, I'm the little minion that's doing the work. But you know, we have to change that. We have to change that image of how people view owners. And there's a lot of great ones out there that are doing just that. They're changing that. They're communicating. They're talking. They're sharing their vision with every employee of what they want their business to be. And and when you do that. You start cultivating a great culture and then people are proud and happy to be working for you. And pretty soon, what do you have? You have people calling you going, hey, are you hiring? Um, I'm full. I'm filled up now, you know, but those are great problems to have. Those are great problems to have. How often do you see, because I know I run across it a lot when we're trying to put together a, a development program for small businesses and they didn't start out right with the onboarding. So you're trying to work backwards and get all in. But a lot of times the employees themselves don't have the confidence or don't think they can be a leader. Or they don't think they can be whatever because no one ever told them they can no one ever, you know, built them up and and let them know that how much potential they have. And how often did you run across that? Uh, quite a bit, actually. And, um, you know, I think my job was to build people up and to show them that they have the capabilities that, you know, the natural born leadership ability, the courage to lead. And, you know, it, it was tough and it was tougher as I started getting older um, to share that. But I think my part of giving back to each person and then 10 years down the road, 
whether they worked for me, they went somewhere else. They always checked in and said, hey, I'm I'm now the manager of 150 employees. And, you know, hey, great. Congratulations. What, what did you practice? What did you learn from that? And they always tell me it was the 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 things that I said to them to build them up to actually have them realize that they are a leader. Because I think in, deep inside of us, there's there's leadership capabilities in every one of us, whether we want to admit it or not. It's do we put it out there and do we practice it and have that courage to practice it and speak it? Well, as you know, a lot of people don't want to practice anything. They take a class or they've been doing it for a long time and that makes them all of a sudden a de facto expert, which probably is one of my, I don't know if it's a pet peeve, but drives me the most crazy is whenever we talk to somebody and they hire someone and they're like, this person's really great, really great. So what data do you have to support that? Oh, they've been doing this for 20 years, whatever the amount is, 30 years, 10 years. That doesn't mean they're doing it great. That doesn't mean they've been doing a good job at it. And sometimes that's almost worse because when somebody's been doing something for 20 years and they think they're an expert and that they can teach the class. How many times you hear that? I could teach yeah. that class. And they're not willing to learn. They're not willing to be developed. They're not looking to hone their skills, right? And so it's we always laugh because I sing horribly. And I think I've probably shared this before, but I just, I have many talents and um, singing is not one of them, but I've been singing for 50 years now. So by the fact, I should be an expert singer, right? I should be able to sing opera or whatever, I'm sure, because I've been doing it for so long, right? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, but when you think of it, so let's say you hire somebody that's been doing it for 30 years and whether it's singing, okay? You you hire somebody that you've been singing for 50, but they've been singing 30. They can teach you something, but maybe you can teach them something too. I can so, teach them oh, how not to sing. There you go. Always have an open mind. Absolutely. Yes. And that's... You know, the biggest picture, everybody can learn, everybody can hone their skills and even the best of the best of whatever, if they don't pay attention to it, there's little things you forget. There's Mm -hmm. things you forget to mention or little things you forget to do. And it's so sad to me when people get to a point where they're like, I know everything I, you know, I can't. So how do you develop those people? How do you go to your person that's been doing whatever for 20 years they think they are hands down the best in the entire universe. They could teach every class there is. How do you approach them about, hey, I want to work on uh, developing you? Yeah, those are the ones the the ones that are closed off. Those are probably the most difficult ones. Um, I call those the rock people because their 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 head is hard as a rock. Is they don't want to listen. So one of the practices that I did was I actually started training by committee where I would take my top three employees that I had and I would say, okay, you're going to train this person. And it seemed like it came better from them than it did from me. They, the person seemed to be more open-minded about it when it came from somebody else more their equal than it did from me. And, you know, I would always be the person behind the scenes watching this whole development go on. And I would communicate with my technicians, Hey, we need we need to work on this with with this new guy and they would go and they would approach it and they would approach it in a way that 
you know, was acceptable to me. And, you know, every now and then I had to intervene and really drive home the message. But for the most part, I let my my people train the people. It's their show. It's my reputation, my business, but it's their show. And they took pride in it. And when they had that that little bit of piece of ownership on training and developing, they ran with it. And that was where I was the most successful is when they took the ownership from me. Do you feel like having peers do it help the rock people be more open? Absolutely. Absolutely. They let the guard down around them versus when it was from me. My wife tells me I'm a very intimidating force when I'm in the in the locations, but I, I don't see it. Um, but yeah, they they let their guard down because they they spend 10, 12 hours a day with them. They felt comfortable with them versus versus with me. Um, so, yeah, it was a very successful having the trust in the people below me to work and to develop the, the new people um, really, really made strides for our business. So what are some of the other things that you can work if you want to help develop your people? Obviously, leadership is one, whatever technical skills for the actual position that they're currently doing. What other ideas do you have for development? I'm passionate about customer service. And when I say customer service, I'm saying when you go and talk to a customer, use proper English, right? Uh, Because that's that's an image that they're representing the company, they're representing me. I want them to go in there and properly pronounce things. And we we had a rule. We don't say ain't and we don't say not. And <laughs> those were just the things that we used and, and practiced. So customer service was really high up there on my list. And it, it, it was it was something that we took so serious um, that we started greeting every customer by name. We, we had the capabilities of doing that. We greeted every customer by name. So our customers knew they were more than just a number to us. And our employees knew that they were just they were more than just another number. They were part of the family. Um, we depended on our customers every single day. So customer service was way high. Safety. Safety was something that we developed. We never stopped developing safety. We took it so far that we took a ladder safety class how to properly climb a ladder because just like everybody else we had a guy fall off a ladder so and it was a knee-jerk reaction but it was a requirement that we had to do and we felt it was necessary for the the safety of our employees to learn how to place a ladder against the wall and climb up it and people gave gave me grief about it but you know what I can pretty much guarantee you that every employee to this very day still remembers that class and the calculation to put a ladder against the wall. I didn't even know there was a calculation. There is a calculation for how tall the ladder is versus how many steps and how far the wall is down from the ladder. Really? All right. See that? I learned some. Well, I've learned (laughs) a few things already, but. That is something I wasn't expecting to learn about today, that yep. there is a, a calculation on there. Finding topics, I think sometimes for our entrepreneurs are very busy. They have a million things going on and it's hard for them to think about, here's something that they can work on that will make them better, better person, more engaged, happier with themselves and so on and so forth. 
if it's not tied to a specific thing. So I think it's great to have some idea joggers like you just mentioned about safety and customer service. And there's there's just so many things, so many things that they can be looking at. And yeah, I used of- to drive to work with no radio on just so I could think of those topics. You drove without a radio on? Yep. Yep. Okay. I don't <laughs> I don't even know if I can Yep. I'm I'm like zoning out here for a minute trying to imagine how long I could go in a car without a radio. Can't do it. Can't do That's it. That's my my quiet windshield time. I have to have like um some kind of noise. I actually can't concentrate, believe it or not, if it's too quiet for me to think oh, wow. I have to have other I think that's part of that whatever ADHD or whatever they say now it is. I don't know what it was. But when I was younger, I just was hyper. I think they used to call it hyper. Now it's got all these titles. But I have to actually have noise or I can't think. That's so cool. So you would say do it. So do you, you know what I'm doing now when I'm driving it? Because I always have the radio on. If I'm trying to find an address or something, I turn down the radio because somehow in my head, the lower volume. Is that not the most ridiculous thing? So you can concentrate. That's what that's the excuse I use. So is you can that, concentrate. Do you think it really helps to turn down? No, the it doesn't. I'm I'm yeah. lost all the time anyways. <laughs> I don't know what I would do without the GPS. I just yes. don't know. And I, you know, I always think about that with business and like developing people. If the GPS tells me where to go and it gives me every step. And I love that feature of like the overview and turn by turn. Because I want to read it first before I go. I want to see here's what's kind of coming up. And then I'm much more comfortable going, even though it tells me where to go. I want to know sort of what's happening. And if we could run our business like that and deal with our people like that, wouldn't it be wonderful if all your internal customers kind of knew what's next, what road will be on next, how long it take them to get there? You talk about transparency. That's the transparency tool right there is having a roadmap saying, okay, week one, this is what you're going to do. Week two, this is what you're going to do. Week three, this is what you're going to do. And have it laid out um, all the way to the time they retire um, from you. And that's that's the key is transparency and having that roadmap and having those topics. So every week, not only does it help the employee, it helps you as the owner to stay on track or the trainer uh, to stay on track to keep to, to make sure that everybody gets trained properly. Yeah, because it's easy when you're busy. Listen, nobody's perfect. And it is very easy when you're an entrepreneur and running a business, owning a business, to try to keep track of everything everywhere. And if you're trying to remember all that, it's not going to happen. So have a roadmap, have those things written down. And then you have accountability on both sides that will kind of keep you unpack because or else it's it's so easy to get sidetracked the detours are just crazy yeah i used to have you know when i first started in 98 i used to have a little notepad that i kept in my back pocket and i think you and i've talked about this yeah then i migrated to the palm pilot and then then it went to the iphone and you know i wrote everything down and it was important that i wrote stuff down because like you said when you're that busy you're dealing with all these customers, all these internal customers, all your external customers, um, all your problems that you have throughout the day that you're battling with. And then you have that aha moment. You want to be able to write it down so you remember it so you can go back later on 
dissect it and say, was it an aha moment or was it just a spur of the moment thought? And a lot of my best, my best ideas came from in the shower. Um, I was singing along, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, oh, <laughs> hey, that's a great idea. So, and Siri has helped me along the way too. So I didn't have to get out the shower with wet hands and try to type it. Um, so yeah, it, it's, it's important that you write stuff down. I think I might've shared on here a couple of weeks ago. I just saw, I keep a little recorder next to my bed and now I use a lot of time Siri, but for years, because I would wake up in the middle of the night with something that was just so brilliant. And then I would fall asleep. And next morning I wake up and say, oh, I had a great idea and I forgot it was that, or you'd be driving or yep. whatever. And so trying again to think that you're going to remember by the time you get back an hour later to wherever you're going, just talking to Siri or recorder, whatever you have. But somebody is I spoke to is using a dry erase marker in their shower, which I think is the oh, like, wow. most brilliant thing ever because that is. Yeah. I, I, I've got to write that down because my wife's going to come home and see a dry erase marker in the shower and probably be freaking out. But that is a phenomenal idea. How smart um, is that? And, you know, there, there's all kinds of studies. I mean, I could pull out numbers all day and stats, but about that, your brain for things to really sink in it, to, to, to connect and make that full connection is you have to write it down. It's not typing it in a computer doesn't have the same effect. Talking it into a voice doesn't. But actually writing it down. So I thought, wow, that takes care of two things. One, they're not forgetting. And two, that reinforcement by writing it. Yeah, that's, it's, you know, over the years, you learn that there's different, different ways of learning. And, you know, people read, you know, they read to learn. Some people, you know, have to write it to learn it. Some people have to do it to learn it. And, you know, especially when you're developing people, that's important to take in consideration because, some people can take verbal commands very well. Other people, they need you to stand behind them and walk through it, but they have to do it themselves. So taking in consideration the type of learner that they are is important. That is excellent, excellent advice. And too many times I think we try a one size fits all approach and that yep. doesn't work and at any time. Well, thank you so much for joining thank me you. today. So Thanks everybody's takeaways, me. go and listen to Meatloaf, Paradise by the Dashboard yep. Light, if you haven't in a while, and think about making decisions and saying things that you may not be able to back up or may not want to back up. Yep. Watch Rudy if you <laughs> Watch haven't, Rudy. If you haven't ever seen it or haven't seen it in a while. And you can even post pictures of your ugly cry if you want to. <laughs> I, I might do that. I might post an ugly cry, Rudy. Oof. Rudy photo. And it usually comes out around this time of year. Um, so all those feel-good movies for, for the holidays. And it's so important yes. to develop your people. Please have a plan and a real course of action if you want to keep them. And don't shortchange them by not doing that. So Chuck, Absolutely. always a pleasure. Thanks and for having me, Kim. If you want to hook up with Chuck, you can, um, his comments will be, his his links will be in the comments as always. And if you have any questions for me, or if you want to dare to disagree about Rudy, <laughs> and you put it in there and we will we will have a discussion. And then we will Chuck, go get your dry erase marker. And I just made yes. myself a note because I'm going to put one in my shower right now because it was such a good idea, and I kept wanting to put one yes. in there, and I forgot because <laughs> I didn't write it down. So yes, 
All right, everybody, stay safe, make good choices, stay inspired, and we will be back next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Maximum Optane, your ride to the entrepreneur's evolution. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas, or you just want to be a guest on my show, I want to hear from you. You can reach me directly at mlpodcast at autotraining.net. Thanks for listening and keep seeking information everywhere that you can.